Let me tell you two quick things before we begin. Next week, I'm really excited that Jason Knight, our student ministry leader, will be bringing a message to us via Facebook Live. We're going to begin a new mini-series about prayers for the pandemic. So I hope that you'll join us next Saturday. I'm really looking forward to that. And I got to tell you about a really special event that happened last night in our neighborhood at The Rock. It was such a joy to work with The Rock staff and uh, a couple other churches in our community, Freeman Heights and Lifewell Church. But I want to say a special thank you to you, Neighborhood Church, because we asked you in just a couple short weeks to donate money so that we could gather up some school supplies to bless our neighbors. And church, thank you for raising $1,400. $1,400. Can I get some applause from my studio audience? Thank you, thank you. Church, I am blown away again by your generosity. The way we give is really a reflection of our hearts that we hold our money and our resources loosely, ready to give to those in need. So thank you, thank you, thank you with all of this craziness for your generosity in this time to help our friends and neighbors. So we took that money and we bought up a bunch of school supplies and our church put together um, so many bags of supplies for elementary school, middle school, and high school. And together with the two other churches and The Rock, we were able to give out 208 school supply bags to our friends and neighbors last night at The Rock. Any applause for my studio audience? <laughs> thank you, thank you. Emma and Nora are here. We'll see them in a minute. So while they're here, they should clap, right? Church, it's not just about giving up some resources, Although we love to bless our neighbors in this unusual school year. It's about reconnecting with our friends and neighbors that we've met through the neighborhood clothes closet, through sharing a meal at the neighborhood table. It's about just getting out there again in safe ways, in appropriate ways, to laugh together, pray together, and encourage each other. Because you know and I know this school year is so different. So just to have those couple hours last night, through the generosity of you all, through those who sweated and served last night, thank you, thank you for your participation and for reflecting the love of Christ to our neighbors. It was such a joy to be together last night. So if you haven't already, bring the kids back around wherever you are watching this live stream. I want to talk to them first, and then I want to talk with you adults. Now, you may have noticed this question here earlier. What's something you asked God for this week? I hope that you were able to chat about that when our live stream began. It's something that we've been talking about, but Emma and Nora, I actually need to ask you for something. So can you guys come up here? Can you guys come up here? Come on. Come on. Look at you. Hey guys, do we ask y'all to do chores sometimes? Yeah? How about you guys? Are you, are you supposed to do chores in your house? Hey, before you guys answer, guys, take a minute. What's the hardest chore that your parents ask you to do? To all you kids out there, what's the hardest chore? Adults, man, we got to do chores too. What's the hardest chore for you? 
Girls, what about you guys? What's the hardest thing we ask you to do? Cleaning up our room. Cleaning, yeah, cleaning up your room? room? Why do you think that is? Because it gets super messy and we wait for and a long, nice. long time and then it just becomes a meltdown. And it's, mm. and it's the messiest room in the whole entire house. That is a factual <laughs> statement. And when we ask you to clean your room, it's not just one thing, it's like all the things. You have Legos and Barbies and bed to make and craft stuff. It's a lot, right? It's hard. Listen, I know that sometimes we ask you to do some things, but um, I have a list of chores right here that I need to ask you to do, okay? You want to check out this list? Because here's the deal. Like, I was planning some songs today. I was writing some notes for the message I'm going to tell the adults. We've just been really busy. Y'all had the Zoom call earlier that Amy was, you know, helping them with. So we've got a lot that we need to do. So I was wondering if you could do this list. Ah, but here's the deal. I need you to finish it all before dinner. Because I'm going to be like doing this thing, and it would be really great if we could go to bed tonight, even eat our dinner with all this squared away. So could you check out this list? They haven't seen this list. Amy put it together because we've been so busy today. Mommy and Daddy would really appreciate if we could ask you guys to do these things and get them all done before dinner. Can you unroll that list and kind of take a good look? Nora, you might need to grab the bottom. What do you think, Nora? What do you think, Emma? What do y'all see on the list? Come on over here. Scooch, pick up scooch. Bar pick you don't up have Barbie. to read all of it. What do you think? What are some that you see, Nora? <laughs> clean the gutters? Yeah, clean the gutters. I got a ladder. I've been really meaning to do that. What do you see? What's some of the things you see? I'm okay with How about this one? Mommy wrote that one. Do you see that? I'm okay with wash the car because we can wash the car. How about scrub the toilets, mow the yard? I what else do you see? Scrub the toilets. Alphabetize books. Are you good at wash alphabetizing? The... Guys, what do you think? Can Clean you show on that list? Pans. Do you think you can finish this before dinner? No. I'd really love to eat here in a few minutes. I don't want to talk all night and keep these. Do you think you can handle it? No. Why not? Lock the kitchen. Yeah, dude. Can you do it? I thought she, mommy said that we can. Weed flower beds. Yes. All right, let me, let me, just hold Clean on. Clean the drain. Does this seem like a lot or a little? A lot. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you think you can get it done on your own? No. No. Well, there's two of you, right? File bills. File, I don't even know what that means, <laughs> file bills. I thought you were supposed to pay them, not just file them. We'll have to ask mommy about filing bills. Okay, you don't think you can do it on your own, can you? No. So what should you do? Take it. It's not my list. What should you do? What should you do? With I this can't list? go grocery shop shopping on my own. So so then what? What do you think you ought to do? Throw this in the trash. Ooh. <laughs> or, <That's>... do, <laughs> or just do some of the chores instead of all of them. Okay. What if there was another way? There is nothing that says clean our room. What if there was another way, Emma? What if you asked for help? Do you think that would be a good idea? Yeah. There's poop in there, though. She's Who talking cares? about her tortoise cage. Who cares? And you know what you do? You know what you do ask. when it's time to do that? What do you do, Nora? Ask for help. You ask for help. So let me take this Daddy list. Can put on the what if I told you? That even if there's so much that needs to be done, you don't have to do it alone. 
Would that make you feel better or worse? Yes. Yeah. Much better. I wouldn't like to do it back. Does it feel better all rolled up or all stretched out in front all of you? All rolled up. Yes. So now let's put the list down for a minute and let's think about our life, okay? This was our list that was really big and long and scary and hard, but let's think about our life, okay? Let's have a real talk question. This is a real question. What are some things that are too big to fix on your own? So not just on our list that's really big. What's something in this world that's too big for your little self to fix on your own? What's something that you think about and you pray about when we are having dinner, Nora? Something so big that's in this whole world. I told you it's a tough question, isn't it? Being like God. Being like God. That's a big thing to do. How about the coronavirus? Oh, yeah. That's too big. Is that too big for you to fix on your own? Yeah. Is that too big for you to fix on your own? I mean, I can tell people to fix it. Yeah, but... But you don't know if you have the coronavirus or not. Some people, yeah. But that's a big thing, isn't it? Okay, let me ask you this. What's something that's too scary to think about? You guys were scared when you rolled this list out. Snakes? How about tarantulas? Tarantulas? Yeah, y'all are thinking about the show on Netflix called Tiny Creatures that had snakes and tarantulas. Maybe that's why it's top of mind. Some things. How about like sickness? Yeah, or like the flu. The flu. Did you hear about the hurricane? Yeah, yeah. Laura. Yeah. Or thunderstorms or tornadoes. Are those things scary? A little bit. That's a big deal, isn't it? Okay. Remember also after we saw this big list and y'all were scared that you had to do it. Okay, does some of this, like you said, getting groceries, isn't some of that like too hard to do on your yeah, own? Yeah, I, I will get pulled over and go to kid jail if I drive a car. I think you're right. Yeah, and that's <laughs> even if you make it that far. So it's hard to do, right? So not just our list, but what about in life? What are some of the things that is hard for you to do? Some of the things that are hard for you to do. I know we didn't talk about this earlier. I was just curious what's your honest thoughts and answers. Kids, what are some things that are hard for you to do? Has it been hard at school sometimes this week? Yeah. I know, I know some of our kids have been asking for God's help with Zoom school and learning things. How about sometimes when we feel angry? Is that hard to kind of like, what, to calm down and be kind? Me and her. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's like hard. Like sometimes when I cry, it hurts my throat a little bit. It hurts, <laughs> it hurts when your throat. I try to stop. Man, that's some <laughs> some serious crying. That's hard, hard crying. No, no, when I try and stop crying. Yeah, so whether we're talking about our list or our life, sometimes there are things that are too big, too scary, and too hard. Right? Are there things in your life that's too big, too hard, too scary? Right? But what if I told you, Emma, Nora, and you kids, what if I told you that God never meant for us to do all of this on our own? He never meant for us to face all of those scary things alone. How would that make you feel? Happy. Happy? Happy. Because sometimes... I don't want to clear my room. That's the deal, because sometimes you still have to have scary things, right? But would it make you feel better to know that God is with you or 
alone, or would you rather be alone? With him. With yes, him. that's the deal. So when something's too hard, too big, too scary, we need to remember that God is with us and we're not alone. So here's where I need some more help. Hey, kids, you that were on the Neighborhood Kids Zoom earlier this afternoon, you guys who've done the family devotional last week, who watched the video the first week, who did the challenges, who memorized the memory verse, what if I told you that you can remember that God's with you, but you can also remember our memory verse? Can y'all do our memory verse one more time? Hey, wait, 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 wait. Can you do it with them? I know. I saw it. I know you guys know it too. Can we do our memory verse one more time? Y'all scooch in. Let's remember that God is with us, and let's remember this. Go for it. God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. Can we try that again? That was so great. Remember when things are too hard, too big, too scary, that... God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Good job. Woo -woo. Give yourselves a hand. Give your friends a hand. You saw them do it a minute ago, too. So before you guys go and sit back down, and before I turn my attention to the parents, what should we ask God for in prayer tonight? To help the coronavirus go away. Help the coronavirus go um, away. Have sweet dreams. What else should we ask for? Mm. Big, little, or anything in between. And that's good enough, too. Maybe that, um, when the world can get along. When, how the world can get along. That's a very good thing to ask. All right, can we pray together? All right, let's pray. Father, we ask that you would just remind us when things are too big, too scary, and too hard, that you are with us and that you are able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. So right now, Lord, we ask that you would just make this coronavirus go away, that you would heal the sick and push back infection, and that you would just let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we also ask that you would give Nora and Emma and all of these little ones sweet dreams and good rest, and that you would keep them healthy, safe, and strong. And Lord, finally, we also ask that you would help this world get along more and more. That you would call us to love you and love our neighbor as ourselves. And that you would draw all people into your life and love. And we trust and ask these things knowing that you can do even more than we ask or imagine. We pray this in the name of Jesus and we say... Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. Thanks for your help. Can you guys go sit down? Great job, guys. Great job. Well, in case you missed that memory verse and the motions, that's all right, because that's what we're going to spend the remainder of our time together talking about. I hope that you'll stick around for the next few moments because I want to talk to you parents about that 
verse. That's been the focus for the neighborhood kids for the last month, but now I want it to be our focus for the next few minutes. It's in Ephesians chapter 3, and it's verse 20. Now, I'm doing a little bit of a bad practice as a preacher. I don't typically like to just drop in to the middle of a paragraph or a thought, but what we find in that memory verse, Ephesians 3.20, is a doxology. Doxology literally means a glory saying. Doxo, glory, or praise, and lohia, lology, loch a word or expression, doxology, glory saying. I'm dropping in the middle of a prayer and a doxology in Ephesians chapter 3. But Ephesians 3.20 is what we're going to look at for the next few moments. So I'm going to read it again from a different translation. This is from the Common English Bible. Listen to the words of Ephesians 3.20. I'm not going to do the motions this time. Glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by His power at work within us. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. If you're like me, you might have heard Emma and Nora say that. You might have heard the kids sitting in your lap saying that. And you might have heard me say that and thought, that is simply too good to be true. You're telling me that God can do immeasurably, far beyond all that I could ask or even imagine? No, that is too good to be true. I think Paul wants to tell us it's not. Now, I said that Ephesians 3.20 is a doxology. It's a glory saying. This doxology comes after a big prayer. You can look at it in verses 14 to 19. This big, big prayer, Paul prays that they be strengthened within, that Christ would live within their hearts through faith, that they be deeply rooted in God's love, that they would really know that they know that they know experientially the love of God that's unknowable. Did you catch that? Paul actually prays that you would know the unknowable love of God. And he said that you would be filled to all the fullness with God through the Spirit. That's a big prayer. And then comes verse 20, the doxology, that says, After I'm asking for all that, God can supersize even that big prayer. It's not too good to be true. I'm going to pray the biggest prayer I can, and I'm going to remind you that God can even supersize it. It's as if Paul is saying this, and I really want you to hear this. God's capacity for giving far exceeds our capacity for asking. Did you catch that? God's capacity... For giving far exceeds our capacity for asking. Paul asks for everything in the kitchen sink and then says, Oh yeah, but God can still double it, triple it, supersize it. Because God's capacity, I would dare say willingness for giving, far exceeds our capacity 
for asking. And you're still saying that is way too good to be true. I would just push you a little bit to think along these lines. What did God do for me today that I didn't even ask for yesterday? What did God give for me today that I didn't even ask for yesterday? I want you to think about that. I didn't ask that he would wake me up this morning. I didn't ask for this breath. I didn't ask that my legs would work, that my body would be healthy. I didn't ask for food in the pantry, food in the fridge, a little bit of money in my bank account. I didn't ask for it. I just kind of expected it. And I just wonder, what if the only thing we had were the things that we asked for? Then I think we might begin to see that actually God has given us way more than we've even asked for. And some of you might be saying, yeah, but that's like the little stuff. Well, let me tell you that Jesus taught his friends to pray and ask for something as simple as daily bread. He also taught us to ask for things as big as God's kingdom to come on earth, for God's will to be done on earth. Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you pray, say, and he says, ask for the little things and the big things and everything in between. And then Paul, after his enormous prayer says, and then dare to believe that God's capacity for giving can even far exceed our capacity for asking. I remember um, years ago talking with an old friend of mine that was sort of a Christian discipleship accountability kind of relationship. And I was just venting. Man, I was telling him, I'm so frustrated, I'm so stressed, I'm so stuck, I'm so mad. And I just was unloading on him. And I remember him looking at me and saying, All right, man, I hear you, but I've got to ask, have you talked to God about it also? Or are you just talking to me? And I kind of like felt like he splashed cold water in my face. Then he said, Have you asked God for any help? Or are you just asking me? And if I didn't know him and love him, I'm not sure I would have been able to receive it very well, but it got my attention. Maybe we just don't want to bother God with this. Maybe our list seems too big, too hard, and too scary that we don't want to bother God with it. What's on your list that's too big this week? Is it this racism that's just permeating our culture, it's always permeated our culture. It seems too big that even the conversations that have been ongoing these last several months in the broader culture, we're kind of feeling like, man, this is so big, it's not a quick fix. When we see the professional sports teams Boycotting, stepping away to draw more attention, that seems pretty big, doesn't it? How about all the division that we see surrounding it? The division we see in our political discourse and on social media, that's big, isn't it? How about just injustice? 
what we've seen this week again and again and again. We see so many things that are simply too big to fix on our own. How about things that are too scary? The double hurricane that transformed into this enormous storm, Hurricane Laura, texting our friends in southeast Texas or your friends and family in Louisiana or elsewhere. That's scary. How about those you know that are battling cancer, that are battling anxiety, abandonment, fear, loneliness? These things are scary. How about those things that are just frankly hard? You're learning how difficult this school year is and how unusual it will be. It's hard to keep loving and serving and trying just to make it. I think that this doxology that we just read sounds too good to be true because we don't want to be disappointed if we were to bring to God our list and find that things don't exactly go the way we wanted them to. Maybe this doxology we just read sounds too good to be true because we don't want to be disappointed that God won't give us everything we want. So we don't ask, and we don't dare imagine because we don't want to get our hopes up. I mean, this is real talk. This is serious. Maybe we don't want to bring our list to him because we're afraid it won't go exactly the way we want. But maybe that's because we forget what Paul says, that he's able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Friends, one of the things I've been trying to reiterate over and over during these messages during the pandemic is that we have got to stay connected to a power source that's beyond ourselves because you and I don't have within us the means to get through this alone. But take heart and be reminded that he has filled you. He has bought you. He has redeemed you. He has called you. He has rescued you. He has forgiven you. He has downloaded his very Holy Spirit within you so that you may be connected to the very source of life and find within yourself the means from God to do what you could not do on your own. Because God is still at work. He who began a good work in you is faithful to carry it through until the end. What we looked at last week. God is within you to strengthen you. Maybe we forgot that all of this is so big because we forgot that he is within us. I saw a quote this week, a tweet this week from a pastor in New York named Rich Viotis. And he said this, and I really want you to just take a breath and hear the intent behind this tweet. Evangelical Christianity in the United States is often characterized by a deep desire to have Christianity, and he uses quotes around that, pervade our culture, but not have Christ permeate our being. Let me say that again. Rich Viotis tweeted, Evangelical Christianity in the United States is often characterized by a deep desire to have Christianity pervade our culture, 
but not have Christ permeate our being. Now, of course, he's not saying that everyone who identifies as an evangelical is this way or thinks this way. He's saying in mass, there's something that's happened in which a large group of Christians are more concerned with getting our agenda out there into the public sphere, even if it means we refuse to let Christ and his will and way get in here and allow him to permeate our being. Sometimes we can get so worked up, so fired up, that we want to go demand on others what we refuse to demand of ourselves. But I think what Paul is praying in Ephesians 3.17, I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. Or verse 19, I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that's beyond knowledge, so that you'll be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Maybe another way to say that is to be permeated with the knowledge of Christ. Maybe when Christ permeates our being, we'll be able to listen and discern before we judge and condemn. Maybe when Christ permeates our being, we see what happens to Jacob Blake and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and all of these names. Maybe when Christ permeates our being, we see that and confront the racism and systems that are not allowing communities to flourish and not allowing conversations and respect and dialogue and action and legislation and restoration and reform. Maybe when Christ permeates our being, we'll ask for and work for better. Maybe when Paul prays and we let Christ permeate our being, we see people of all races and backgrounds and ethnicities and status and from all nations, not as an other to be feared, but as a neighbor to be loved. I hope you hear this, not as some political statement, but as bare minimum foundational. It's all summed up with love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, Jesus has rezoned our neighborhood and every person we encounter is no longer someone to be feared, but a neighbor to be loved. And just in case you didn't believe me, look when he tells someone the parable of the Good Samaritan. Look when he speaks to a Samaritan woman who is a known sinner. Look when he speaks to the woman caught in sin in John chapter 8. And you see Jesus going out pulling the barriers and boundaries of what we deemed as people worthy of love and says, I'm going to extend this boundary line so far until everyone is caught up in the middle and all of a sudden a neighbor to be loved, not someone to be ostracized, minimized, victimized, and marginalized because now they're all squarely within God's neighborhood, the geography of blessing. They're not an other to be feared. They're a neighbor to be loved. This is not political. This is kingdom. 
And it's a crying shame that we've taken matters of justice and love and uh, equality and politicized them when they are first and foremost matters of God's heart for God's people. And we ought to be the ones leading the charge because Christ has permeated our being and it's bigger than some Republican or Democratic party. Maybe when Christ permeates our being, then we can listen to the voices of the people that Jesus came to be alongside, the oppressed and the poor and the marginalized, and then we can walk in sacrificial love with them instead of blaming them or ignoring them. Maybe when we let Christ permeate our being as Paul prayed, we can follow his example of letting go of the fear of other that is so permeating our culture. And maybe when we let Christ permeate our being, we can let go of the power over and the know-it-allism that we see in our circles and social media and actually come alongside and underneath those in need of a hand up. And we refuse to participate in that rhetoric of fear and that division of power that says, I'm better, you do this, you don't know. Maybe we can follow Christ's example in Philippians 2, who did not consider equality with God something to be exploited and used to his own advantage. Maybe we divest ourselves of our own privilege and advantages to use it to lift others up, just like Jesus. Maybe, hear this, when Christ permeates our being, we get rooted in the expansive love of God that then expands our view of what God can do. Oh, this is why that doxology that sounds too good to be true comes after a prayer of allowing Christ to permeate our being. Because listen, when we let Christ permeate our being, we get rooted in the expansive love of God that expands our view of what God can do. In that prayer before our doxology, Paul says that you would come to know the height and depth and width and breadth of the love in God, of the love of God. When we get rooted in that love, kids and parents in our VBS going deep, the mangrove tree roots deeply rooted, permeated by the water, growing up and out, expanded. Oh, that we would be deeply rooted in the expansive love of God so that it expands our view of what God can do. It's as if Paul was plumbing the depths of God's love and never found the bottom. Paul went to the heights of God's love and never found a ceiling. Paul went this way and that way and never found a wall. He only found more of God's expansive love. Here's how I want to close. Maybe Paul is saying, you cannot ask God for too much when you're rooted in that kind of love. You cannot out-imagine 
the love and power and goodness of God when you're rooted in that kind of love. It's all of a sudden not too good to be true. You come with your laundry list of things that are too big, too hard, too scary, and you get yourself firmly rooted in the deep, expansive love of God and allow yourself to be expanded to what God can do. I think Paul would say, you cannot ask God for too much. That God's capacity for giving far exceeds our capacity for asking. I think Paul would say, I've been to the bottom, I've been to the top. You cannot out-imagine the love, power, and goodness of God. So where does that leave us? Here. What do you need to ask for? It's the same question I asked my daughters a few moments ago. And it's the same question I'm asking you now. What do you need to ask for? Maybe you haven't asked because it's too good to be true. I don't want to bother God. Something as simple as daily bread, something as big as the kingdom come. What do you need to ask him for? And even better, what do you need to keep asking him for if you don't see the resolution today or tomorrow? What do you need to ask God for? Where does this leave us? Here. What do you need to dare to imagine? What healing, what renewal, what reconciliation, what freedom, what movement, what do you need to dare to imagine? What do you need to ask? What do you need to imagine? Get yourself rooted in the expansive love of God and allow Him to expand your view of what God can do. And finally, here's the neighborhood church mantra to cap it all off. Let's see if you remember it. We pray believing that God can, asking that God will, and trusting that God loves us no matter what. We pray believing God can, asking that God will, and trusting that God loves us no matter what. Because your laundry list may not have some of those things checked off. Which is why it's so important to remember that God promised to give us what we need and not exactly what we want all the time. So we pray, we ask, we dare to imagine, rooted in the expansive love of God so that he can expand our view of what he can do and find that it's not too good to be true. Because even a big prayer can get supersized by the God who can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. I want to close in prayer with the prayer that Paul prayed. Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19. Will you pray with Paul and me? This is why I kneel before the Father. Every ethnic group in heaven or on earth is recognized by him. I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. And as a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Amen.
I want to echo Paul's prayer and remind you that if you have not said yes to Jesus, God in Christ through the Spirit has said yes to you. He's inviting you into life with him. When you say, Jesus, you are Lord, I want to follow you in this life. God gives his life to you. You find forgiveness through Jesus. You find new life in the Holy Spirit. When you look to Jesus and say, yes, you are Lord. I trust you. I believe you are who you say you are. When you sincerely commit your life to him, you find that God gives his life to you. And it's a life that will never end. It's eternal in quality that sweeps you into the kingdom of God today and finds you in the kingdom of God then. Oh, that you would know that Christ Jesus has said yes to you. So would we say yes to him? If you're doing that for the first time, I really hope that you will reach out to us in this chat box or send me an email, adam at tncgarland.com. And if you're saying that for the one millionth time, I ask that God would get you rooted more and more in his expansive love so that he could expand your view of what God can do even now. Would we go in peace? Amen.